Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. We're tackling a controversial topic today, quilting rules, and which ones our staff and our listeners are breaking. We also shared stories of quilters making a difference in their communities, a staff member's birthday challenge, some cutting tips, and ideas for your quilty holiday wish list. It's going to be a fun show, so let's dive in. How many of our listeners are rule followers? I'm raising my hand right now because I definitely am one. (laughs) So think back to when you first started quilting. You probably learned rules for everything. There were rules put in place to keep you and your fingers safe while sewing, rules to ensure your blocks come out the exact right size, rules to help your machine and tools perform at their optimum level, and rules told to you just because. You know those rules, the ones that get passed from person to person as a general and correct way to do something. But here's the thing. Rules were made to be broken. Just because someone else told you there was a correct way to do things doesn't mean there aren't other and possibly better ways for you to do it. We all have different abilities, different tools, different priorities in our sewing lives, and not all rules apply to every quilter. And of course, there are also the rules we know we should follow, but maybe just ignore or get lazy with. (laughs) Our staff believes that there is no such thing as the quilt police. So today, our staff and some of our listeners are sharing the quilting rules they break. Some are serious, and some are a little more tongue-in-cheek. Some are tinged with a hint of guilt, (laughs) and some are just defiant claims against a certain way of doing things. But we hope this helps all those rule followers out there to be a little more confident in breaking the rules when they don't apply to you or experimenting with a different way of doing things if it fits your sewing life better. I'll start. I don't care about my quilts being perfect. I've never made a quilt where there wasn't at least one thing wrong with it. My points on triangle squares and flying geese get cut off sometimes. My blocks don't exactly line up. My quilts don't come out exactly squared up. And a few quilts even have folds in the backing where I've accidentally machine quilted the backing to itself. Whoops. (laughs) Now, if it's a really bad mistake, I'll rip out stitches. And occasionally I've made a new block and used uh, the bad one in the backing of the quilt. But I'm just not a person who lets those little inconsistencies in a quilt bother me. And I'm definitely not the type of quilter who likes to redo work or stress about those little details unless I have to. And I like that look. I think it makes all my quilts look handmade and charming. And you know what? I've never had a non-quilter criticize or honestly even notice these small mistakes. Sometimes as quilters, I think we're extra critical of ourselves and our creations. And I was for a few years and then decided life was too short, so I'll let those cutoff points stay in the quilt and enjoy my sewing time. Let's hear from the rest of our staff. 
This is Jody Sanders, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. The rule that I break most often in quilting is that I'm not a pinner. I make mostly small mini quilts on table toppers, so I'm sewing small pieces together and chaining them through one after another. Taking time to pin and then take out the pins while I'm sewing just slows me down. Now, yes, I do follow that rule where I remove my pins before sewing over them if I do put them in. My guess right now is about 50% of you are horrified and wonder how I get things to match up. But the other half of you are like, well, I don't pin either. What's the big deal? Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm the sales promotion manager for American Patchwork and Quilting, and I hate pre-washing fabrics before I quilt. I don't pre-wash fabrics for quilts, and it's never been an issue for me. I just love working with those fresh off-the-bolt fabrics. They're so nice and smooth and crisp and easy to cut. Compare that to the wrinkly mess that the fabric turns into when it's pre-washed, and the loose threads everywhere drive me insane. The threads get all tangled up in my washing machine, so I have to cut all the pieces apart and then iron. No thanks. I want to get to the fun part of quilting, the sewing, as fast as possible. So I hate to add extra steps that seem unnecessary. I do make an exception for clothing or home decor items though. Ask me how I know. I made that mistake and spent a ton of time sewing curtains in the perfect length and then of course the first time I washed them, they shrunk up several inches. That's no fun. And I found it helps with clothing and items and things like masks also. Otherwise they shrink a little bit too much for a perfect fit. Hi, I'm Allison Gam, the designer of Quilts and More magazine. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I rarely read instructions for quilt patterns. It's pretty ironic considering I work on designing magazine layouts that are mostly filled with written instructions. Maybe it's the artist in me, but my eyes always go straight to the illustrations. I do read materials lists and fabric requirements, but then I tend to jump straight to the illustrations to find out what size to cut my pieces and how to press. This has definitely gotten me into trouble before because some patterns require you to cut your fabric in very specific ways to make sure you don't run out. And I've definitely run out before. Which leads me to my next rule breaking habit. If I'm working on a quilt using fabrics from my stash, I usually just start cutting pieces without even checking to make sure I have enough fabric first. Again, this has definitely gotten me into trouble before. In fact, a quilt I'm working on right now has turned into more of a scrappy project because I ran out of fabric, a problem that could have easily been avoided if I had just measured my fabric first. I guess my rule breaking habits have turned me into somewhat of a problem solver and has forced me to be creative with my fabric choices. This is Doris, editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine. Anyone that's been quilting for even just a short time has heard the general rule of thumb, change out your sewing machine needle every eight hours of sewing time. This is the rule I break repeatedly because I often don't change out my needle until it breaks. I know that sounds terrible. It's not a practice I recommend. The other bad habit I have, and I know a lot of quilters share this one with me, is using a rotary cutter blade far too long. I know I should put in a new blade as soon as I see it skip that first thread of fabric that I have to go back and cut through, but I will use it well past this point. I have plenty of new rotary blades, so I'm not being stingy or cheap. I just don't want to take the time out from my project 
to remove my blade and insert a new one, but once I do, it is so worth it. Note to self, put in the new rotary blade and a new sewing machine needle. Hi everyone, Joanna here. I'm the editor of Quilts and More magazine and I have a quilty confession to make. I never pay attention to pressing arrows and pressing instructions and pattern directions and I break that quilty rule all the time. I know, I know, those directions are there to help me and to make my blocks nest together nicely, but yeah. The general quilting rule is to follow the pressing guidelines given in a pattern or to press the seams toward the dark fabric, but I usually press everything open instead. I've had quilt tops where I flipped them over and realized I pressed every single block a different way. Perhaps I'm a free spirit. Uh, perhaps I forget to double check the diagrams when I'm happily piecing away. Or perhaps I'm just lazy. It's probably that one. Over the years, I've gotten pretty good at pressing seams open and still being able to nest my seams. I usually go by feel. I can feel the two halves of the pressed open seam on the bottom unit that I'm sewing, and then I butt the top unit's left half seam with the bottom unit's right half seam. It's a little hard to explain without showing you, but hopefully you get the general idea. My quilt tops are still flat when I'm finished, and my seams usually align pretty well, so I feel like it's a rule that I can successfully break. Then again, this is probably a case of do as I say, not as I do, and you should probably follow the directions in the quilt some more patterns for pressing arrows. I've definitely had a few times where I've had to repress some things because I've just made a giant mess of my seams and nothing's lining up. So again, I just I don't recommend my way but technically it's the quilting rule that I break the most often. It just keeps quilting fun for me to not stress too much about how I'm pressing things, and I feel like keeping the process enjoyable is more important for me than having to repress, repress a few seams every now and then. Hi there, this is Lisa Cecil, and I am at so Mom Nurse on Instagram, and I'm one of your biggest fans. And I'm just calling to let you know that the uh, quilting rule that I always break is I machine bind my quilts. And binding is my favorite part. It's because I almost have a finished quilt. So that is the, the part I'm most anxious to get into. But I'm just not going to hand sew it on or hand finish it. Um, I just sew it on the back and flip it over to the front and do a pretty stitch to hold it down and, and voila, I'm done. So that is the rule that I break. I know that's disappointing to a lot of people, but it's my thing. So thank you, ladies, and um, you do a great job. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks, Lisa, for calling in to share your quilting rule. There is definitely no shame in machine stitching your binding, especially especially when it can save so much time. One of our listeners, Deanna, submitted an email for us to share too. She says, First of all, thank you for a really interesting and fun podcast. I found it a few weeks ago and have really enjoyed listening to quilting information from across the pond. I am British. In your most recent podcast, you asked for quilting rules that can be broken. So here are two of mine. Never get hung up on the size of a quilt or block instructions. A bit of mathematics and you can work around it. This sounds a bit odd, but here are two examples to explain what I mean. 
During lockdown, I couldn't clean the house or garden anymore, so went and hunted through my quilting books and magazines, finding a quilt-as-you-go log cabin quilt. I didn't have the quantity of fabrics needed in my stash, but by working out the number of blocks I could cut from my available fabric, I made the quilt and improved my skills. My second example is from a pattern on your website for an ombre quilt. I only had a half jelly roll on hand, so by rescaling the block to the width of the roll, I happily spent yesterday afternoon cutting the fabric and have started piecing it. Neither of them will be the size given in the pattern instructions, but they are still a good usable size. My second rule to break is cutting your scraps to a standard or usable size. I'm glad I didn't as my second lockdown quilt is a crazy patchwork quilt as you go one and it wouldn't have been as much fun to work out the blocks. Thanks again for a great podcast. Keep up the good work and stay safe. Thanks, Deanna. We love how comfortable you are changing the quilt or block size to fit the fabrics you have. That is a great rule to break. And just for fun, we asked our Facebook audience, and here are some of their answers. We can relate to quite a few of these rules they break. I use straight of the grain fabric for binding, not bias. Color coordination, also balanced small, medium, and large prints. I find matchy-matchy makes me crazy. Measure twice, cut once. Finish one quilt before starting another. Press, don't iron. It's just so fun hearing from everyone for this podcast. It's a good reminder to not get too bogged down by all the rules because quilting should be fun. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing some inspiring stories of quilting making a difference in your communities. Welcome back. Who couldn't use some heartwarming stories right now? I know I could. I'm going to hand it over to Allison, the designer of Quilts and More, for Quilting Changes Everything, a segment where we share stories of quilters making a difference in their communities. Take it away, Allison. Community Peacemakers, a group of quilters in Ramona, California, have been hard at work sewing for their community. The group created a goal of sewing 100 colorful bags to be filled with essential supplies to be donated to homeless individuals in the area. Each of the bags is unique, featuring different fabrics and piecing, much like a mini quilt. The one thing they all have in common is a small heart placed somewhere on the bag that says, Handmade with Love. Carol Spencer, the organizer of the group, said, If one person feels love from the community, that's the goal. Sharing my passion, that's what gives me great joy. Carol has always been passionate about sewing and started teaching quilting in the 1980s. She began recruiting volunteers to help her with this bag-making project and soon had 15 students. Carol started out by teaching them basic quilt piecing and color theory. From there, she taught volunteers how to press and cut. One of the volunteers, an experienced seamstress, read an article in the Ramona Sentinel about the community peacemakers stitching bags, and she wanted to get involved. She said, I always wanted to learn to quilt. I hadn't sewn in 20 years, but I had friends who quilted. I thought this is a perfect way to learn to quilt and help the community at the same time. 
After just a few short months of sewing, the group had already reached their goal of sewing 100 bags. Their new mission is to fill those bags with supplies. They have worked with the local homeless care kit drive to fill the bags with items such as socks, gloves, soaps, notebooks, and more. Another member of the group said, people are becoming more aware and we're getting a lot more community involvement. I anticipate as this becomes something we can count on the community, then more people will get involved. We hope to have it continue as long as we have homeless people in Ramona. The group is confident that the 100 bags of supplies will be plenty to fulfill the need at this time. However, they plan to make this a yearly event as long as the need continues. And one more story from Allison. Margaret Ratch, an 88-year-old woman from Chaseburg, Wisconsin, is a three-time cancer survivor. She is also a person with a very selfless and generous spirit. Each year in Chaseburg, a fundraising event for the American Cancer Society is held called Soul Burner, which is a walk through the village park. For the past several years, Margaret has donated quilts to be auctioned off at the event to help raise money. Margaret hasn't always been a quilter, or even a maker for that matter. She said she embroidered while she was in grade school, but didn't really do much after that. It wasn't until her husband James passed away that she took embroidery back up again. She mostly took up the hobby because she needed something to do with her time. Eventually, Margaret moved from doing embroidery to making pillowcases. From there, she took up quilting. Her goal was never to make quilts for herself, but to give them to others. She said, I just decided I had to give back. Over the past several years, Margaret has donated her quilts to the Soul Burner event to help raise money at auction. Her very first quilt brought in $800. She continues to try to make at least one quilt to donate to the event each year. In addition to her quilt donations, Margaret and her family rents the Village Hall facilities and Village Park facilities for the event. In order to reserve these locations, Margaret puts down a deposit. She always insists that she doesn't want the deposit back and wants it to go towards something that needs to be done within the community. Margaret truly is the definition of a selfless maker. After battling and surviving cancer three times, she's a force to be reckoned with. I'm sure she's already busy sewing up more quilts to donate to Soul Burner next year. Thanks so much, Allison. We love hearing these types of stories. Sewers are truly the most generous people, and it's so uplifting to see how they use their time and talents. Next, I wanted to dive into Ask Us Anything. So a very kind listener asked for an update on my birthday projects. And since my birthday was last week, it seemed like a good time to explain the project and share what my new birthday project is. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while or follow me on Instagram, you know that for the last three years, I've celebrated my birthday by starting a year-long quilting project. In the past, I've made an English paper-pieced hexagon a day to describe what was happening in my life. I've made an improv block a week to turn into a mini quilt. And this past year, I did something I called Give It a Month, where I tackled a quilting challenge each month. 
Some of the challenges were to foundation piece, to work with wool, to hand piece, to use my scraps, and even to sew 30 minutes a day. So I would spend the month just immersing myself in a topic, trying new tools, new patterns, learning new techniques. And it was so fun, but it was also very time consuming. So once the pandemic hit, my challenges went a little sideways. So um, I ended up doing seven months of challenges out of the 12 I had planned, which honestly isn't too bad considering how this year turned out. So my next birthday challenge is a little different, but I think it's one that will resonate with others. I plan to sew at least five minutes a day. So one of my favorite challenges from my give it a month challenge last year was to sew 30 minutes a day. Now I had to wake up earlier each day to accomplish this. And while my altered schedule was sustainable for a month, I just don't think I can promise that amount of time for an entire year. I mean, I'm sure there are some of you listeners right now who are just laughing that I can't find more time each day to sew. And I, I honestly wish I had more time, but right now in my life, I am lucky to get enough sleep. So I will take those five minutes of sewing and I am sure many times I'll probably sew much longer. So as I was thinking about what I wanted my challenge to be for the upcoming year, I had a lot of things swirling in my brain. I wanted to finally finish all my UFOs. Some have been sitting more than five years waiting for me to prioritize them. I wanted to have more time to relax with handwork while watching movies I love. I wanted to use all the scraps in my scrap bins. I wanted to make decor for my home. And when I finally really got to the heart of all these goals, I discovered that what I actually needed was more time to sew. So I decided to make my challenge time-related. So if I give myself more time to sew, naturally I should have the time to accomplish all these other things on my quilting to-do list. Also, sewing has really become a place of solace for me this year. So I'm making sure that I have that just daily five minutes of time to get creative and just focus on something that makes me really happy. It's kind of like a little daily meditation to ground me in creating something beautiful with my hands. So it's not as intense as my previous year's challenges, um, but I'm kind of giddy at the thought of how much I'll get accomplished this year and how much I'll just enjoy those little pockets of time out of my busy schedule to sew. And if you've never tried a birthday challenge before, I encourage you to plan one once your next birthday hits. They're so fun and have really allowed me to explore some creative ideas that I've had. And of course, if you need motivation to sew each day or make more time to sew, let's connect on Instagram so we can keep in touch. I, I definitely need people checking in with me, you know, seeing, making sure I'm getting my five minutes and keeping up with my challenge. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing your best tips for cutting, as well as some of our favorite picks for holiday presents for quilters. Welcome back. Now it's time for Reader Tips, a segment where we share your best advice for common quilting struggles. And today our theme is cutting. So our first tip is from Nadine Burgeon of Surgent Bluff, Iowa, and she says, I use duct tape to secure the top of my strip ruler to my cutting mat. No more slipping. 
I just lift up the bottom of the ruler to remove the cut fabric and place the next piece to be cut. I think she's like talking about those like stripology rulers or similar rulers where you're cutting just like a lot of strips at once and you don't want to kind of worry about having to place the ruler in the exact right place every single time you're cutting fabrics. You just want to kind of lift up one end of it, keep it totally in place, replace the fabric and keep cutting, cutting as fast as you can. So this is a good solution if you're kind of struggling with that. Anna Rigby from Richmond, Virginia says, Repurpose a coffee mug tree to keep scissors and rotary cutters close at hand. The vertical holder means less wasted table space. That's a really cute idea. Billy Bennett from Fayetteville, North Carolina says, To accurately square up my quilts, I use a 90-degree laser level purchased at a hardware store. I place it on each quilt corner and use the projected lines to mark my cutting lines. So for those of you who can't picture this or have never seen a laser level before, it's basically just a little device that helps you get um, kind of squared up or perfectly a 90 degree angle, like if you're hanging shelves, but it's great to use for quilts because it projects these red laser lines at a 90 degree angle so you can just lay it down in the corner of your quilt and see exactly where your cuts should be when you're squaring up your quilt. So it kind of makes it easier to visualize, you know, how to square up your quilt and where to cut. So that's a really great idea. Ruth McCourt from Tustin, California says, I have found that a dry bath puff, the like round nut variety, will clean a cutting mat. I simply rub a puff over my mat several times to loosen and pull out the fabric fibers. Great idea. So Karu Mitchell of Lebanon, Tennessee says, when I do broidery purse, I make photocopies of my fabrics and cut out paper motifs to check for color, size, and style. This lets me audition motifs without cutting up my fabrics. So broidery purse is a technique of cutting out um, fabric motifs. A lot of times they're like larger florals and then applicating them to like a bat, like a um, solid piece of fabric to create these really intricate and beautiful designs. Um, but you can also do this if you're fussy cutting or doing other sorts of applique and you just kind of want to see how it's going to look in your block or on your quilt you can just make a photocopy of the fabric and cut out the motif and just kind of lay it in places for you to really visualize what it's going to look like. So that's a really clever idea. So if you want to submit your own tip for a feature on the podcast or in the magazine, you can email me at apqtips at meredith.com. We would love to hear from you. Now we're moving on to what we're loving. And we are all about the quilty gifts right now, both as things to put on your own wish list, but also to give to other sewers in your life. So the first thing we want to highlight is um, quilt socks from the Featherweight Shop. So these socks, they have four different designs, including like bobbins and sewing machines, and they're so adorable. 
and they'd be so great for winter when you really need to bundle up, but also, you know, be in style and show off that you're a quilter. And they're kind of one size fits all. They're women's U.S. shoe sizes, five to ten. So um, they may fit most women in your life. Just so cute. Okay, there is also a uh, product from Primitive Gathering Store called the Quilt Life Zip Bag. It's a very cute canvas bag that says quilting life on it and a you know really fun design. And it has a zipper that has a charm that's shaped like a little scissors. So this would be a really fun idea to fill it with other little goodies. The bag is nine by 11 inches, so perfect size for you know some mini charms or um, you know maybe some cute enamel pins or a, a little fat quarter. So if you're giving it to others, it'd be cute to fill it up with other little fun items. Okay, our next product is a specialty tea. So the International Quilt Museum sells these little tins of tea that feature a picture of a quilt that can be found in their collection. So they have a variety of tea blends, um, so you can pick one that you love. We, we tried the cinnamon apple tea in the office, and it is so good. It's just warm and spicy and just perfect for fall, and it would just be great to warm up on those cold nights with a cup of one of these little teas. And of course, they're decorative tins, so you can save them later if you like the look and use them for little storage containers. Okay, this next product is one you may want to jump on quickly if you're interested. So it is a advent calendar from Stitch Supply Company, um, and it features 25 days of sewing-themed gifts. Um, so just a lot of little small notions from a variety of uh, vendors that they have picked out, and just cute quilty artwork on the outside. The calendars ship in early November, and they only have limited quantity, so they're not sold out yet, but they may be soon. But can you imagine waking up every morning to a new fun little sewing gift for 25 days. That'd be so fun. Okay. And our last product we're featuring on this podcast is, um, a jigsaw puzzle, uh, from Thimble Blossoms. So it's an, a thousand piece puzzle of kind of a quilting studio scene. So it has her fabric, some, uh, English paper pieced hexagons and a lot of sewing supplies. It is so hard <laughs> to make. We had it set up in the office. Um, and of course, we were all socially distanced. So we would you know, kind of arrange a time to be in one of our cubicles to put the puzzle together. And we'd all take turns doing it. It took us maybe a week of, our, of a lot of our staff coming in to work on it. And it was so fun, though. Like, there's some things like the little pinheads or spools of thread that you get to put together and it's just a blast. So we will link to all of these gifts in our show notes so that you can add them to your shopping cart if you feel inclined. Before we leave today, I want to mention an amazing subscription offer that we have just for our podcast listeners. So our listeners can get 60% off a year subscription to American Patchwork and Quilting. Um, but honestly, I just checked the website and they're running some holiday deals right now too. So it's actually 86% off right now when I'm looking, which is 
it's kind of insane. <laughs> so it would make a great gift for the holidays or if you've been wanting to subscribe for a while, we definitely recommend checking out this deal right now. Um, and if you subscribe soon, you'll start your subscription with our February issue, which actually comes out in December. We're just wrapping that issue up now and it's such a good one and we're debuting some fun new uh, features and articles that we think you're really going to love. So if you visit our show notes, um, we'll have the link to subscribe, but we definitely think you should check it out if you've been on the fence for subscribing for a while. Have a great week, everyone.